On today's show, we're going to wrap up the two-part series on key performance indicators, KPI. Before we roll in today's show, if you're not signed up for any events, whether that's in-person or virtual, take a look at the event calendar at events.mycontractuniversity.com and get signed up. Okay, let's get going with today's show, folks. Today, we're going to wrap up the conversation with Gary Ellix on the top 10 KPIs that you need to know to grow your contracting business. Take it away, Gary. So let's talk about the top 10. We've gotten you to the place now where we're able to discuss the top 10. And so the very first one is uh, we want a client experience rating. And so up above that, you'll notice in green, it says 20% earnings before interest and taxes. That's what we call EBIT, E-B-I-T. And working capital at 15%. It would be important as a definition to understand working capital. Uh, that's current assets, things like cash, inventory, account receivable. Uh, minus your current liabilities, which would be payables, right? And uh, any, uh, any items that are immediate. Uh, those are your working capital, current assets minus current liabilities. And uh, that number gives you a raw number. Divided by sales, you got a percentage. So if I have $100,000 in cash and account receivable, and I'm doing a million dollars in sales, that's $100,000. We'll say no payables at this point. That's a 10% working capital. So we're targeting 15%. Most of the companies in the audience in California uh, did not have 15%. Uh, they, were, they were below 10. So that becomes one of those items that we're saying, okay, that's a big goal, but how do we get that place to where we want to go? And the answer is uh, the first KPI that we got to ask the question is, is are you delivering the client experience that you need to price properly? So how I price and how I execute determines whether or not I get referrals, reviews, um, how people will look at the overall organization. Um, if, you, if you evaluate how people are analyzing purchasing today, most people are looking at reviews. Uh, they're scanning through some information on the web. Uh, the more youthful groups, uh, Gen X, Gen Y, and Millennials uh, absolutely are reviewing social media. They will, they will examine the social media posts and the social media commentary about the business before they actually make a decision. So client experience is an influencer on that. Now, that might surprise you that this is the number one KPI, but it's absolutely the difference maker in businesses. If you look at any of the great companies in this trade, they're all focused on providing the most exceptional client experience in value. So we've set that target and KPI at 95 plus. That's an evaluation system. So a contractor actually has to figure out, well, how am I going to get that information? And so we ask the customer to rate us. We just straight up, you know, straight every service call, every maintenance call, every sales process, every touch, you know, give us a scale. One to 100, 100 being the best, how are we doing? And we analyze that. And that number needs to be at this level. What that proves to you is that your people at the contractor level are doing a great job delivering the execution that the owner of that business wants. Uh, it's pretty easy if you're the owner. Uh, you're passionate, you're excited. There's no reason for you not to be. So you're going to deliver great and exceptional service. 
But as you build an organization and you have 20, 30, 40, 70 people in one of my companies, then it's more difficult to make sure that they have the same passion and exceptionalism as that you want. So there's only one way to find that out, and that's to ask the customers how we're doing. So think about that. It's all about brand referrals. It's about client experience. It's about getting customers to post nice things about you, uh, not, not having to pay them to do that, which is you know, sort of a, a questionable practice. The second KPI, uh, which gets more accounting driven, is gross profit dollars for direct labor dollars. So once again, um, so if we have a sale, we're sitting at $100 and you have a cost of goods sold, and let's just make believe for a second that that's $60, you have a gross profit number that's $40. That's Ohio State math. That's not Duke or, or uh, Princeton or Harvard math. That's Ohio State math. And so we got $40 of gross profit on this ticket. And so what we would ask the question is, is how does that $40 represent itself against the labor component of this $60? So again, if we go back to this discussion here, you see that labor is sitting right here. And so that labor is going to be showing on a financial statement somewhere. And our interest is what's the labor here? So if the labor is $10 inside of this ticket, that's the number here, we are in fact at a four to one relationship. We have uh, four gross profit dollars for every one labor dollar. Uh, so why is this important? What do I care? What does the contractor care? Well, most of the contractors don't even know this KPI exists. Like when we teach the discussion and talk to them, they're like, well, I never heard of that. And so it's a combination of efficiency and productivity being married together. That's why it's in the top 10. And so again, if you were micromanaging this, looking at the micro KPIs, you would look at efficiency as a unit. You would look at productivity as a unit separately. If it's three to one, we would be saying, hey, this is a problem. It's not good. If it's four to one, uh, we're at a position where we're saying, okay, we're, we're probably doing pretty well. The optimized KPI, the very best KPI is six to one. So as a business owner, or somebody that might be looking at this company at the TM level and saying, you're at four to one, you're doing a great job. How do we drive it to six to one? That's where we start asking questions like, well, is our pricing correct? So if we change the pricing from $100 to $110, okay, the labor doesn't go up. Neither does the material, equipment, subs, permits, sales commission, you know, sales commission may change a bit if it's paid on top line. Uh, we pay sales commission on gross profit dollars, so it doesn't necessarily affect. Well, 110 minus 60 is now 50. And so 50 represents five to one. So I've improved and optimized my business through productivity. That's a price increase. So a lot of your contractors need to understand that what we're doing is we're asking the questions how do you want to influence profitability? How do you want to grow? How do you want to do these things? This KPI is a very effective approach. It's the number two most important number that I look at in any business. And I want that number to be at six to one. Oftentimes we're, you know, we're struggling at three to one or two to one. And so it's, it's job management, it's uh, efficiency, it's travel time, it's dispatching, it's how we're ordering. It's everything that's going into the soup to, or you know, what we call making the sausage. And so when you break that down, start asking the question, well, what are the things that we're doing? And that leads us to this conversation about, okay, great. 
you know, let's, let's change the way we're running dispatch. Let's be more efficient. Let's dispatch the right guys and gals to the job site so that they actually know what they're doing. Let's match crew competencies. Uh, let's price increase. Let's make sure we have our costs updated. Um, I can't tell you how many contractors didn't update their service pricing costs. And so their gross profit dollars were sinking. This number was going down. And they were not watching that because they didn't have a monthly meeting rhythm to look at the gross profit dollars against the labor dollars. If you had a monthly meeting and you came to the end of the month and your service gross profit dollars were 30 instead of 40, you'd be saying we're at three to one. It's not, it's not effective. What happened? And you would make yourself go in and look at the costs. So they're not watching the practices. They're not accountable to the KPIs. And so that's a lesson that we can all take from that. Third, residential sales. Um, not a contractor on the planet that doesn't love a good residential install because we create a lot of gross profit dollars inside of that. Well, that's awesome. But if I have a whole bunch of sales opportunities and I'm not very good or effective at closing them, then that's probably not the best opportunity for the company to grow. So think of it this way. If I'm better than 60% of my close rate, that's really where you have your sales training, your dealer development pathway for you know, whoever is doing your sales training in your organizations, uh, the TM working with the contractor to say, are you tracking your close rates? Um, are you rehashing your leads? Are you spending the kind of time at the customer, you know, in the home to be able to make the education process happen? Yeah, are you getting the 60% closure rates? So if my price is $5,000 and, and I make zero profit, closing 60% is not going to help me. But again, go back to this discussion, which is this is proving pricing first. I can't stress that enough. The pricing is being identified as a problem in front of as the number two KPI. So we're assuming at this point that you would ask about pricing. Pricing would be fixed. Once it's fixed, then you can say, well, we're not at 5,000. We need to be at 8,000. You know? And so at least we maybe make you know, $2,000 profit on this, you know, which would be a 25% EBIT. OK, great. That's fantastic. We're priced correctly. But now if we're only closing 40%, that means I have to work very hard to grow the business. If I move this to 60%, I'm closing more deals at the higher price. That's sales training, that's education, um, that's being intuitive with the client, et cetera. And so that's why sales training is one of the most popular dealer development areas for any of the contractors. They love that because they already know if they move this to 60%, that's great. If they move 60, you know, up to say 65, even that, you know, pays for the cost of the sales training. So most of the sales trainers that are out there are amazing. They do a great job. I think they do a, uh, an exceptional job at, at getting to your uh, contractor's business level and saying, you know, what's your process? What are you doing? But I'd love you to be at 60% or greater, which means you have to track it. And so if your contractors are not tracking it, that goes back to sort of the situational analysis and say, well, in order to get better, we have to have good data. Good data helps us make better decisions. I'm going to give you a very specific example. This is real world. Uh, it was real money. So we were ready to sell our business. Uh, we had a couple of businesses. We were ready to market those. And uh, we were in shoulder season. So I want you to think about the shoulder season concept itself, which is we don't have an awful lot of weather pattern working in our favor. 
but we certainly have crew capacity to sell. Uh, and we have inventory and we have capabilities, but we don't have as many leads as we would like. So let's represent that, you know, as this graph right here. Shoulder season would be right here. This is the unhappy place. Need leads, need closing, need dollars. Uh, out here, you know, this is our happy place. Everybody out here is a genius. It's 115 degrees. We're all making money. Uh, it's it's one of those situations where you, it's pretty easy to sell air conditioners when it's 115. So the second layer of that conversation goes like this. There's our capacity, overtime, et cetera. So this line right here needs to move up to here to turn a unhappy face at least to a straight line or a smiley face. How do we do that? Well, closing more deals is kind of a key thing. So we sent out 10,000 mailers four weeks in a row to total 40,000 mailers. That's the new customer model. The second thing we did is we went into the existing maintenance agreement model and said, let's do some email drip campaigns. Let's do some call center target marketing to get our maintenance scheduled. You know, let's do some text messaging, et cetera. That's your existing customer model. So these people already know your brand. And so we're talking about a closure rate here. So the technicians and the comfort advisors went out with all these opportunities in this particular zone right here. And we closed 83% of our opportunities that were repair versus replace older equipment demographics inside of this existing customer zone. We had the exact same promotion that went out here and we closed 18%. That's a staggering difference. I mean, so the existing customer is just, it's proof of concept, it's evidence that your existing customers like you and will buy more from you. We already know that. We know that number from study after study. What we don't know is how badly we were performing at the new customer model when we were competing against other people. I mean, to 18%, I, I, the, the joke was, I could probably send anybody out there as long as they had a pulse and they could probably close 18%. That's a horrific number. So the question becomes, well, if 60% is the number, what is the question that the contractor asks themselves? And I asked a simple question. I'm like, well, what does the financial model look like? And what does the shoulder season look like? If we simply move 18 to 40, I mean, it's not even very good. It's just, what if we just improve to sort of the average and not the KPI, not optimized. So we're, again, we're looking at metrics here, milestones. Just get, just get me to 30, then get me to 40. And so we ran that math and uh, the math was very simple. Uh, it was better to pay Russ Horks $100,000 and have him come in and train our people about new customer conversations and a better sales process. By doing so, we made well over a quarter of a million dollars of profit by paying him his $100,000. So he would net us three fifty. dollars His $100,000 would offset. We would keep $250,000. Doesn't take a university of you know harvard graduate to figure that out an ohio state guy can figure that out so the answer is russ can you help us and he's like yeah of course he's like for sure we can get you to 40 percent." he goes i'll be embarrassed if we don't get you to 40 percent. we probably ought to get you up to 60 percent." and so that's exactly what happened uh, we paid him he came out he started working with the men 
and basically the improvement in the closure rates began to occur. That's a that's a direct example of tracking, looking at our failure, operating process questions. What can we do differently? What does the math tell us against the KPI? What does the KPI say we should be at? Analyzing what it takes to move from point A to point B as a metric, not the not the optimized KPI. All right, we didn't get to sixty percent right away. Paying Russ the money, getting our guys trained to a place where they could get it to you know sixty percent. And so that actually produced, you know, a multiple. When you when you think about the sale of that business, that was worth over a couple of million dollars of difference in the sale of the company because we were able to move this line up to this line and get to this place where this person turned happy. And so the acquiring company can look at that and say, well, you you actually had a good rolling 12 months. You know, you made a lot of extra money. That's an example of dealer development. So the Ferguson Group or any group of TMs that had good skill sets could train the contractors on how to be better and more effective at closing deals. And so that gets you to a much higher earnings and working capital ratio. So the goal here is the ability to evaluate the KPI and then ask the questions, well, what are we doing? Why are we not effective? How do we improve? And so that really happened. That happened in 2021. And, uh, the secondary sale of that business, by the way, which gets all the owners and all the key employees paid a second time, uh, happened this month and closes November the 1st. So Russ's uh, work that he did for us is getting ready to pay a second dividend. And so when you begin looking at that question, if we're not there, how do we get there? So number two, optimize price, right? Are we in priced correctly? Once we're priced correctly, then let's emphasize the idea of getting to a KPI of 60% closure rate or better. And that's a key piece of information. And so as we sold that business, everybody was happy about that. And then now they're very happy again the second time because once you're trained, you don't lose that skill set. Once I teach you about KPIs, you'll be able to ask questions. You'll be able to engage with me, with EGI, with any other coach. And hopefully that improves your ability to sell more product, more high efficiency products teach your contractors how to be better. Let's start about KPI four. Average GP dollars per crew day install. So this is one that's uh, mystical to a lot of contractors. Um, all 20 contractors in the room uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, were using a pricing methodology that was based on divisor. And the divisor method is also markup or multiplier. And one of the things that we want to be careful of is to recognize that these methods actually are not effective for today's world. Uh, they were effective in the 1970s and 80s. A lot of manufacturers uh, and probably some distributors were teaching those methods in the 80s, and that was fine. It, most of the jobs were one-day jobs. Uh, today, most of the jobs require us to look at duct systems, airflow, uh, more sophisticated equipment. Sometimes they're two-day jobs. These methods don't do well with two-day jobs or beyond. They just don't. So the better method is gross profit dollars produced per day. And this number right here is a reference number across all markets. Um, it's very seldom that you will bump into a contractor that will need to be higher than that at its value line. 
So I, I think I need to make a key point here. So everybody's on the same page. So we'll say if we did, you know, best, better, good, you have a value position. CR2 is going to change all that, but everybody will still have a low level floor, whatever that number works out to. Then you'll have, you know, what you would consider to be uh, a best value product positioning. And this can be, you know, one or two products. This can be three, four, and five products. So it doesn't have to be just one individual product. It's a group of products. And then maybe you'll have, you know, what you would consider to be um, your absolute best or, you know, what we would call optimum, whatever that is. It's it's a product that's the high efficiency. It's the best we can get. So you're buying a Bugatti, you're buying a Ferrari, you're buying a Porsche, you know, whatever you think the best automobile is, uh, you know, Rolls Royce, uh, et cetera. And over here, this is my 1972 Ford Pinto that has 13 Bondo colors on it, doesn't have a paint job, rust is through the floor. You can see the road when you're driving and I paid $200 for it. I mean, that's about as value as it gets. And so there's a big gap between that. So the best value is, you know, where people start thinking about, well, what's my value chain? So the question becomes, how do I get this discussion going? Well, so that's what this target is right here. This target is not out here. This target says, I can't sell for less than a particular gross profit dollar per day target. And that's a conversation that has to be calculated through a budget. Um, a territory manager or a sales management function would be very wise to have the conversation and ask the contractor, you know, when you're selling a job at break even and you have that, that place where you're trying to fill your shoulder season or you're trying to make a deal and, you know, contractors are, are notorious for doing that. What's your walk away place? What do you, how, when do you know that this is a bad idea for you as a business? And so that really brings us back to this conversation on a budget. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch tabs on you here. Um, you don't have to worry about this until you eventually get uh, into this particular spreadsheet. And by the way, if we do any workshops uh, at the EGI level, or if you have uh, people coming in and doing workshops, highly encourage territory managers to be sitting in the workshop with their contractors and helping them assess what's going on in this world. So we would look at this budget as the next year's budget. So think this is 2023 right here, okay? And so as you're completing the budget tool, and this has all been done you know, in workshop, this happened you know, last two weeks ago. Uh, what's going on is there's an overhead per day it's being established, you know, inside of this blueprint right here. So my overhead per day in my company is $1,250. That's what it is. So my $2,500 becomes a minimum threshold to, for me to sell because I've got to cover up the sins of this $1,250. So I'm going to make $1,250 of profit on, on the lowest possible position in my strategy. $2,500 gross profit dollars per day per crew is the metric. And so what we want to have the contractor do is understand his or her overhead per day and you know how often they lose days starts impacting things like how many days do I have available to sell. And so the cool part about this spreadsheet and you guys are going to love this is this if it's done properly automatically creates a financial plan for the contractor. Sorry, 
wrong tool, wrong tab. Um, this will tell you that your actual gross profit dollar per day right here, what it is. So in other words, if we fill out the budget, this number will populate automatically. And that's based on the contractor's profit plan. Meaning when we do a profit plan with the customer in a boot camp, they're going to know a what their closure rate is from their from their target profitability by month, and their gross profit dollar per day will show up. So when we talk about this twenty five hundred dollars, um, I can tell you that as we move up the channel here, you know this is more like fifty three hundred dollars up here for us. The overhead per day doesn't change. We're still at twelve hundred fifty dollars per day. So you know we make more money up here. Everybody kind of knows high efficiency products do tend to produce more profits. Not this is not new to a contractor. What's probably new to them is what's their minimum threshold have to be. What is the target, and how do we get to that place? And so that's what I'm showing you right here. Is there is a tool as part of the dealer development or part of the EGI platform? If you just go through the budgeting module and fill out the dots, um, this begins to emerge. And so I'm going to change six crews down to two crews, so it's a smaller company. And I'm going to change my selling efficiency from 85 to 65%. And what you're going to see is this number right here would begin changing. And this number right here would begin changing. So it's all very specific to the individual contractor, but we can't be less than 2,500. Awesome content right there, as always. Now, be sure to share this on Facebook. And if you're not a member, I want you to click the button below to get a 30-day free trial, which will give you access to all of our amazing content. Well, that's it for this week. We'll see you next time. And until then, my friends, bye-bye for now.